The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host for today's episode, Don DeLorente, and you can always find Know the Score on www.cspn.us. You can also find us on Twitter at KTSPod. Today, I'm joined by my guest, my co-host as usual, I have Tyler Ball. You can follow him on Twitter at T.A. Ball. Tyler, what's going on? Yeah, what's going on, man? Just uh, don't, don't forget the number one at the end. It's T.A. Ball 1 on Twitter. That's right. That's right. And as always, we have Nabias Wilborn. Mm-hmm. Nabias, what's going on, man? Man, man, what's up, man? I'm, you know, we out there. Is there another Tyler Ball? If there is, shit. I mean, God bless America, I guess. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's another one out here somewhere. Yeah. Number one. I mean, I, I don't think there's there's barely a half of one, but, you know, we don't make it work. <laughs> nah, nah, you know, that, that, one, that one stands for, for, you know, an original. That's all. It, it should be like negative five, but, you know, it's going to be like. <laughs> <laughs> make sure you guys follow Nabias on Twitter at ill at N Wilborn 19. Uh, where are the other 18 N Wilborns from, Nabias? Oh, shit. Hey, I don't know, but them niggas crazy. But <laughs> if you're going to talk that bullshit, talking to them motherfuckers, not me. <laughs> and we have a special guest today. We're joined by none other than Mr. Michael Felder, a.k.a. at In the Bleachers. What's going on, Mike? Not a thing, man. Happy to hop on and uh, get a little bit out of my, uh, my regular zone of college football. Oh, man, we're glad to have you on and uh, talk about some baseball as uh, you're a fan of the best team in baseball. So I guess we'll start there in the American League West as the Houston Astros are just beating the devil out of folks. They have a 16 and a half game lead over the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, You're a doppelganger for your former manager, Bo Porter. (laughs) <laughs> so just kind of you know talk about their their plan it's been kind of like a four-year rebuilding plan and and you've been there uh, every step of the way so just talk about this season and you know last year you guys got into the playoffs you know broke through that barrier now this year you guys are just kicking the door down yeah I mean a couple of years ago got into the playoffs for the first time in a long time and I had an opportunity to win that to get to was the ALCS and maybe get to World Series couldn't get it done I believe against the Royals but the big thing um for the Astros is just building. I mean, they built they they built an entire baseball team uh, based from the bottom up. Uh, this is a team that was very bad, lost a hundred games in a hundred games a year for a couple years, and uh, now uh, sprint their pay. Oh, the fruit of their labor is kind of paying off. Getting guys that are dra- high draft picks. Um, obviously, George Springer is number two's second in home runs, I believe, with, with 27 behind Aaron Judge, who's a beast. Uh, Altuve leads the both lead. He leads the entire MLB in batting average. Correa is another all star for them. Keuchel, when he's healthy, I think he's as good as anybody else on the on the bump in baseball. So, just watching it come to fruition from a team that you know at one point was you know running into each other, trying to to field balls, and had six errors on one on one play to allow like three runs to score to now being a team that, you know, plays efficient baseball. They hit the ball out of the park. They've got good pitching. And I mean, they just got the, just, just mashing out the Toronto Blue Jays on Friday night. Right. Right. So we'll stick with the American league. The other division leaders are in the East. We have the Boston Red Sox. They have a four and a half game lead over the Yankees and the central the Cleveland Indians are up a game and a half over the twins and two games over the Royals. And in the wild card, the Yankees and twins are tied, but they're only a half game ahead of the Royals and one game ahead of the Rays. So Nabias, we'll bring you in right now. Um, since you guys are, um, you get to travel around the league and all these different ballparks, um, from the American league parks or teams that you've seen who kind of caught your eye and, and been the strongest, I will tell you what, man. Uh, we just talked about the Astros. 
they are the best team I've seen in baseball in the last couple of years. I just had two prominent AL scouts tell me that this is the best regular season team that we'll see how to do in the playoffs because they do have one slight weakness is the middle of their bullpen, but with the way they score runs and hit the ball, I mean, ain't great. It's not like the Nationals where their bullpen really kind of hurts them and basically allows every team to have a chance as the Atlanta Braves have just found out in their last two games up there getting a couple dubs, right? I guess the, that's the Nationals' one weakness is that their bullpen really struggles. Um, the Astros have a little slight issue in the middle of their bullpen, but their closer has been solid, and quite frankly, they score a lot. So even if, you know, the bullpen gives up a run or two, it really doesn't matter because they're already up, you know, five or six runs on you every night of things. I mean, the Astros hit the ball well. They field the ball well. Their starting pitchers are really solid. I mean, they are a complete ball club and they have to be considered as the favorites to win the world series man so you know shout out to them and their rebuild and if you're an atlanta Braves fan you're hoping that one day of course it's kind of hard when you have a guy named george springer who's your leadoff hitter and has what 26 bombs right now i mean I, i don't think even ricky henderson couldn't do it like that i mean that's scary when you have him at leadoff and then you just follow him and then you go on down. I mean, you have Brian McCann or, or you switch him out for Evan Goddess. When they're at home, you have Carlos Beltran who can pitch hit. I mean, not excuse me, not pitch hit. Um, obviously, um, you know, hitting the GA spot. So, I mean, they are a scary American League team. And it's interesting. I remember Freddie Freeman just came back. And Freddie was like, man, you know, I'm kind of nervous. They're going to try to bunt at me. Um, Astros manager AJ Hinch said, "No, at most he may get a couple liners. Is uh, we we ain't no button team, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look, and they hit seven doubles in each of those two games there, as well as a few bombs. So, yo, the Astros are special, man. I mean, they if they stay healthy, but a lot of those guys are under control for a while. They're really good. I like what the Yankees are doing, as much as it pains me to say. I mean, I just typically hate New York teams, but you know, shout out to Aaron Judge. Uh, that kid is real." Big, strong, 6'7 kid. And what's crazy is Greg Bird was supposed to be their star, and he's been injured. So if you get him back healthy, man, and you get some of those older guys contributing like they're supposed to, the Astros could be fun. I think the playoffs in the AL are going to be really tough. Yeah, we're going to shift over to the Yankees uh, because uh, they've kind of been ahead of schedule. Their rebuild has only been about a year and a half, and you know they're holding the number one wild card spot right now. So Tyler, let me bring you in and talk about these young Yankees. They're actually like a likable team. Uh, Aaron Judge is definitely a guy you can get behind. Sanchez is another guy you can get behind. And their pitching is kind of, you know, no name. You don't really know much about their pitching staff. So just talk about the Yankees and kind of they're underneath the radar, I mean, as they can be for the Yankees, and now they're back in contention again. Well, the Yankees to me... Um I think Aaron Judge has, I mean, uh, Judge has gotten so much of the pub that uh, we tend to forget how they're, you know, they're, they've, they've got a ton of youth, and they're probably a year or two ahead of schedule as far as development. I mean, the court with the uh, there was one one catastrophic injury that happened uh, about a week ago to uh, one of their uh, outfielders, but. Um, I think that the Yankees have uh, they've got to compete with Boston, and that's always going to be what you know. That's what the what the public baseball fan wants is to see how they match up. Um, I still don't think that they're not exactly where they want to be as far as taking taking the AL East because they have to still compete with Chris Sale and the uh, the Red Sox bullpen, which is which is solid. 
uh, just a little better than the Yankees. But um, can Mike can uh, Judge power them to the playoffs? It's possible, but um, you know he's got to have some some solid hitting behind him, and we're just really not sure yet. Um, it's kind of a wait and see deal with the Yankees right now. Right. Uh, Chapman has missed a, a lot of games. I think he just came back within the last week or 10 days. So they're reshuffling their bullpen a little bit uh, there with the Yankees. Like you said, Boston's really strong. Kimbrell, uh, actually, I think he blew his first save last Sunday night against Texas. Napoli took him deep in the uh, bottom of the ninth. But, yeah, they're rock solid once you get to the seventh, eighth inning with those guys. And their Ooh. offense has been pretty good this year as well. Uh, well, I mean, and, and they're also a good fielding team, the – the Red Sox are. I mean, they, you know, they're really fun. And the thing is with them, I mean, you didn't know what was going to happen when Big Poppy left. And, but they still have Kimball. They still have Justin Pejoria. It's been 10 years since he was MVP. Yet, you know, here this guy is still getting it done, still getting hit. Mookie Betts has come along. I mean, like I said, I mean, the, the Red Sox, man, are a fascinating team. And it's always interesting that it's one of the toughest media markets. And we will see how that team continues to tell because they still have an interesting mix of youth and older guys. But like you said, when you get the Craig Kimball, man, and, you know, again, former Brave, a, a guy who I'm sure the Braves would rather have now than Jim Johnson, who has blown seven saves to lead baseball. Now, as Oreo fans, uh, shout out to NFL chick. She knows all about the Jim Johnson days, that roller coaster. Uh, let's talk about the last division, the closest division in the American League, and that's the Central where you have the Cleveland Indians after a little slow start, uh, you know, the World Series hangover. They finally rebounded, overtaking the Twins. Twins started out really hot. They've come back down to reality a little bit, but they're still hanging in. And the Royals have joined the party. Uh, they look like they were going to be, you know, um, the Yankees farm system again this year where they were going to be sellers, but they got on a hot streak and gotten back into the race. So they're saying, nope, we're going to try to win a division and we're going to keep our guys. So they're going for it. So, the Indians' bullpen is just so good, and the way that they use their bullpen is so creative. It's going to be hard for those two teams to overtake them straight up unless they just have an injury to somebody in that seventh, eighth, or ninth inning role. So, uh, Felder, kind of, you know, if you follow anybody in that division, the Twins or Royals, Indians, uh, who do you think might come out of that mix? Well, I mean, I, th- I think the Indians, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about their bullpen situation. And I look, Andrew Miller, I love him. Uh, I'm proud to call him an actual friend. Uh, and so rooting for it, the hardest thing is when the Astros play them and he gets in the game. Not only do I know that he's a complete stopper on the mound, but I like to see him do well. Just wish it wasn't against the Astros. Um, but then when you look at the guys that they've got kind of um, when they tried out, you know, right when they open their games up, when you've got, you know, Corey Kluber out there, just going, he's a, I mean, the guy's a, a workhorse, and I, there's a reason why he's seven and three. He, he, he doesn't get as much support, um, from by the bats as you would like to get, as obviously as some pitchers get. If, you, if you're, you know, if you, if you're the Astros, you know, you're going to get some support. They're going to put up six or seven for you in that first half of the game, and you're going to be okay to give up a couple runs. He doesn't get all that, but I mean, this guy still, he still goes out and 13 starts, seven wins. He's doing very well. So I look at them, and, and you mix in a guy like a Brian Shaw. They, they're a team that, it, to me, I think they are solidly put together to play well in the playoffs, which is that's going to be the, the issue as an Astros fan. That's something that I'm looking at wondering, what are we going to do when the, when the games get shorter, when the moments get bigger, when every tiny mistake matters so much more? This Indians team is probably the one that, out of all the teams in the AL that I look at, 
obviously, you know, the Red Sox, and they've got some guys that have, they've got a guy like a Pedroia who's been in the fights many times. You look at the Yankees, and obviously that pedigree and that brand name is big for them, but the Indians are the team for me that I think in the playoffs, they become an instant contender. The job for them is to get through the regular season because once they get there, they know that they can count on a lot of the pitching that they have. Right. And like you said, the games do get a lot shorter. Um, you know, they become six and seven inning games. And then it's yeah. a battle of the bullpens after that. I tell everybody who watches playoff baseball, if you go to bed before the sixth inning, you miss the whole game. And they're like, what are you talking about? There's only three innings left. I was like, yeah, that's the you know, most important three innings of the game, or those last three. Yep. Um, well, I mean, but, you know, listen, real quick, with the Indians, man, um, you got to remember, last season, you know, most people talk about them losing the lead to the Cubs. They were injured and broken down. I mean, they were missing, like, three of their top players, two of their top pitchers by the time they got, you know, they had the drones, they had all types of things go on. And the Indians just now are finally getting healthy. I think they're going to get really hot going down, going as the second half of the season goes. As um, we're recording this, we're going right into what will be All-Star break next weekend. Well, this weekend, excuse me, starting Sunday. Yep. So I think the Indians are going to get hot, man. I think they're going to get really hot. I think they're going to end up, you know, what, that 87-90 wins. I think the Twins have blown their wad. I don't think the Royals have shown anything that where they're going to be consistent, even though they are seven of their last, you know, they've won seven of the last ten games. I like what the Royals are doing. I just don't know if they can do it to surpass the Indians. And like I said, man, that that American League playoffs, I mean, you look at the Astros, you look at the Red Sox, you look at the Indians, you look at maybe the Twins. Probably the Yankees. Yankees. Yeah, 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 Yankees. And the Yankees. Yeah, those are some formidable teams. And the the AL is going to be very fun come October. Right, right. Well, we're going to shift over to the National League right now. And in the East, we have the aforementioned Washington Nationals. They have a nine and a half game lead over the Atlanta Braves. In the Central, the surprising Milwaukee Brewers have a four and a half game lead over the Cubs. In the West, the LA Dodgers have a five and a half game lead over the Diamondbacks. And in the wild card, the Diamondbacks are three games up over the Rockies, and the Rockies are six and a half games up over the Cubs. So we'll start out West, where they're clearly playing the best baseball, yeah. as it looks like solidly they're going to get three teams into play playoffs this year so you know the Diamondbacks are doing it with a combination of hitting and pitching the Dodgers are doing it with just you know Kershaw just you know intimidating folks when he steps on the mound most teams are defeated before they even get out there and then the Rockies who are the wild card who are using you know a bunch of young guys who are hitting in a bullpen that's out there getting things done even though they've been a little shaky here the past you know 10 days few games or so so Tyler I'm gonna bring you back in on this one um LA Dodgers is this their year? They seem to be the highest paid team every year, the most talented team every year, but they have this thing about the short series and the playoffs. Are they built to finally get back to the World Series? I think they are. Um, I think the difference between this year and the other previous years is the effect of the Dodgers' bullpen. Um, that is one area that they have continued to improve. Um Right now, the bullpen is sitting second in the majors in REA and is fifth in um, win probability. You look at Kenley Jansen, who's been probably one of the best closers in baseball for quite a while now, and this is actually his most dominant season yet. Um, you come up with um, Adam, Adam Libertori, who's, um, who just set a team record for, the, for um, bullpen with 28 consecutive scoreless outings, and Pedro Baez, who has a uh, 302 ERA 
and um, and actually has a a almost a six to one strikeout to walk ratio over the last two years. And then of course there's Joe Blatton, who's um, who just throws nothing but filthy sliders, and he you know he gets a lot of a lot of guys out because of his uh, his off speed pitches. So um, I think with their bullpen, you know they've gotten a lot from from their offense. But I think that because the Dodgers have the have the um, best bullpen combined with their outstanding starters, uh, of course you mentioned Kershaw, but let's not remember, but let's not forget Al, um, Alex Wood, who's had uh, who actually yeah, lowered his ERA to uh, <laughs> one point eight three. So um, I think if you can just manage enough runs and with enough offense, the Dodgers do have enough pitching to win to actually win it all. Okay. Tobias, uh, I know a couple of weekends ago you were making that West Coast swing. You said you got to see the Diamondbacks in person. Uh, just kind of talk a little bit more about them and kind of their resurgence. I know um, Dave Stewart somewhere, you know, smiling at all these young kids that uh, he didn't really get a chance to see Blossom, but he definitely put them in position to be this good for this season. Well, you know, and it's very interesting, right, because I think a lot of people will remember Dave Stewart in the mind's eye of getting beat up on that Shelby Miller trade, right? You look at what Dan Schwartz is doing and you look at, you know, how the Braves have kind of progressed. Yeah, the Braves won that one trade, but you know, David Smith is also Dave Smith is also part of acquiring a guy named Paul Goldschmidt. <laughs> Paul Goldschmidt is a bad, bad, bad man with bad intentions. That guy can hit. I mean, before Freddie Freeman went out, I would have said it was neck and neck between Goldschmidt and Freddie between the who's the best first baseman in baseball. And as far as offensive, defensive, the whole combination, right? Right now, Goldsmith's that dude mainly because Freddie Freeman is not playing first base anymore and, you know, obviously missed 44 games, which we'll probably get into that a little bit later. On team, man, I mean, they do a lot of things right. They have had a little bit of a swoon. The Dodgers have stepped up. But, I mean, if they, you know, hold tread waters, I think they will. They'll make the playoffs. And, like I said, man, the that West, because the thing with the Dodgers is until they do it in the playoffs, I won't believe it. And that's not to say they can't, but it's to also say, well, look at the Nets. Until they do it in the playoffs, I won't believe it. The Dodgers' closures are pretty good, but, again, that middle of that bullpen struggles, and they give you chances to kind of get back in it. Lately, Kershaw and some of those starters are like, you know what? Uh, we, we're just going to take the seven or eight, and we'll just get straight to the close without the middle relievers. So we'll see if that's something that is able to last. If not, the Dodgers may have some problems later on, but I like the Diamondbacks a lot. I don't know how they play in that heat every day. Thank God for that close group, because otherwise I think people would have heat exhaustion. <laughs> but, you know, I'd be serious, man. I was out there. It was 115 every day, brother. I don't know how they do it. Now, Felder, I'll let you get the last word on the Rockies. Uh, they have the uh, MVP candidate at third base in Nolan Arnado. He leads the uh, National League in uh, RBIs. They also have the National League leader in saves, which, you know, you've probably never been able to tell somebody in <laughs> 1999 that, hey, you know what, one day the leader in saves is going to play for the Colorado Rockies. So just kind of, you know, speak on the Rockies and kind of their resurgence. And, and, you know, they've rebuilt a little bit. They've got some strong outfield talent, corner outfielders that are really getting it done at the plate and at the, in the field as well. Yeah, well, here's the thing. They have Nolan Arenado, but they have Charlie Blackman too, who's hitting 318, and he has 60 RBIs to go with the 68 from Arenado. And then they also have Mark Reynolds, who's got 61 RBIs. I mean, they're they're also scoring runs, not at the same pace as the Astros, not at the same pace as the Dodgers, but they're scoring runs at a remarkable clip as well. And that as long as you're pushing guys across the plate, you've got an opportunity, and then that helps your pitching staff out. And for them on the pitching side of things, uh, you start out. I think I think I think you got to look at their closer in Greg Holland, who comes out, gets shuts down. He, ha- he has no losses on the year, 
which is that's a one for him. That's phenomenal, uh, especially playing there, a place where we know balls like to get out of the park. Um, and then they're finding ways to make it work. There is, a, is a, excuse me, is they're starting pitching, uh, you know, lights out, shut you down. You know, we, we've got a one point seven ERA or two point five. No, they're not that. They got they're all sitting right in the low fours and. Those guys go out and they find ways to get wins. I think that's the interesting part. I don't know that they're going to have a guy like we mentioned, a Kershaw or even like a Keichel um, that can go out and they're going to put up, you know, wins in the teens on the year, uh, in the high teens on the year, close to 20. But you do have guys that are going to go out and they're going to try to control the situation, make it manageable so that that offense is always in the game, always has a chance. And when you've got three guys, we got. You have 180 RBIs through the first half of the year with just three players on your roster, and then you've got other guys coming in right below that. You've got an opportunity to win a lot of ballgames. Right, right. Uh, we're just going to shift over to the National League East now, where, like Nabias said, the real, um, I guess, question here in this division is, what are the Nationals going to do to shore up their bullpen? They've got all the hitting. They've got the starting pitching. They've got pretty decent middle relieving. They just don't have a closer. So, um Tyler, you know, I know you're a big fan of the Braves, and they had a little chance to have a resurgence there. But what do you see for the Nationals? Um, do they go out and get rid of some of their young players? Or at this point, do they have any young players because they've kind of sold out to try to win the World Series the past couple of years? I don't think that this situation is as drastic as it could be when you have Mark Melancone to Sean, with Sean Kelly and, of course, uh, Papa Bond and Trudine. But I don't think that Trudine gets enough credit because he keeps the ball on the ground. Papelbon is the problem, though. He just hasn't been right for, for quite a while now. I think that the failure to get Oliver Perez kind of hurt this squad. So so in the bullpen, I think that the Nationals do have prospects to move. We'll just have to wait until the trading deadline. But as of right now, I think staying, staying pat is probably the best policy and see if they can hit their way out of their bullpen problems. Okay, Nabias, I want to pose this question to you. Let's say that this does continue to be a problem and they don't get a solution during the season. Um, would one of those guys starting pitchers be a candidate? One of your, you know, your fourth, fifth, you know, fringe sixth starter kind of be a viable candidate to, to pitch that ninth inning? Do you think that might actually work for them in the playoffs? Because for the Nationals, this is what this is all about winning the World Series, not just qualifying or getting to the National League Championship Series. So I know we're not supposed to say I don't know, right? I mean, you know, we, it's, a hot, it's a hot take business, right? We got we to gotta say it. I, I, honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, I maybe that's a good idea. Maybe I, It's not something that I've heard being discussed. Um, I've asked Dusty about this on and off the record, and obviously he's concerned, as are the team. I mean, quite honestly, it is World Series of bust for this team. I mean, this is their best chance to do it, and this is also Dusty's last ride, man. I mean, this is it. I mean – if he's going to get a World Series, he's going to get it here. And I think this is, I mean, he's not going to get another job. I don't think he wants another job. I think this is going to be it. And, I mean, hell, his son's about to make the major. So, <laughs> I mean, seriously, dude. I mean, you know, it wasn't too long ago that kid was like, it, it feels like it was yesterday when that kid almost got ran over at home plate, you know, <laughs> when the Giants were the World Series. And now here he is, you know, he's going to go play college baseball. Anyway, I saw that to say that. You know, they're trying to come up with solutions. I, I don't realistically, know. just to hop in, realistically, who would who would who would be the, the fifth or sixth starter that they put in there? Well, that would be the thing. I mean, <laughs> I, would it be a Gio Gonzalez? Would it be Strasburg? I don't know. I, I I don't know who it would be, and I don't even. I mean, because it's because when people don't realize it's it's a whole different mentality. Yeah. To being a bullpen guy, most guys who are starters hate being bullpen guys. Most yep. guys with bullpen guys hate being starters because it's 
is your whole day is different. Your whole week is different. You go from being a starter. You know when you're going to do your side work. You know when you're not going to. You know, you, it's just a different setup. And I, I don't know if that would be something that a guy could adapt to in the middle of the season. Because, again, for a starter, you have your routine. You know every fifth day or every fourth day or whatever. Or when the Braves tried every sixth day. You know, that didn't last long. But, you know, every, every whatever day, you know you're going to pitch. So then you know the next day you're not going to do any work. You know, two days after that, you're going to do your side session. Then you know the day before, you kind of just stretch and keep loose, right? So then you finally realize, then you finally get ready to pitch the day of. And that's the thing. It becomes a pattern. It becomes a lifestyle. You, you Your life is patterned around that. For bullpen guys, it's different. You know, every day you pretty much got to be ready, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's wise or best. Yeah. to do that in the middle of the season. So I don't know if it will work, but, I mean, it, it, they got to figure out something, man, because, yeah, during the regular season, it's fine, man, because, I mean, the Nationals are better than most of these teams. Are playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the Braves are on the way, but the Nationals are better than the Braves. They're clearly better than the Mets. They're better than the Marlins, and they're going to see a lot of them over the next 41, you know, the, eight, the 60 games, right? So, you know, the NL East is done. I mean, the Nationals are going to win that division. I mean, it's, pr- it's pretty much, technically, the Braves have a mathematical chance, but... It's also the same chance of LeBron Ball never being interviewed again. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it ain't going to happen. You understand what I'm saying? So, the Nationals are going to win that division, and they're probably going to be one of the top seeds in the NL. But when it gets down, when they're playing the Dodgers, when it's a sixth or seventh or eighth inning, they don't. can they get the outs they need? And I don't know the answer to that question. And that's the problem the Nationals have. And if they don't get it fixed, they don't get Dusty Baker fired. Right, right. So, we'll move over to the Central where the Milwaukee Brewers have been smashing their way to the lead. They're four and a half games over the Cubs, who are in, you know, just World Series hangover mode. Uh, Swerber has been just a disaster this year. Uh, Bryant has actually been, you know, pretty steady. Um, but it just seems like, you know, they're, you know, win a couple, lose a couple, kind of right around 500 type of team right now. They just can't seem to put a streak together. So Joe Madden's going to have to go to the lab and figure out something for these guys. So Felder, kind of uh, talk about Milwaukee. I like the kid, uh, Orlando Arcia. They've got a bunch of young guys around Braun. Uh, Thames is really good. And uh, they got some Chris Carr. They got some guys who can really hit the ball out of the park and fits their uh, ballpark. Well, one, I like, for me, I always start looking at the pitching first. I like Jimmy Nelson. I think that even though uh, Zach Davies is the 10 win guy, uh, I, I think that, you look at Jimmy Nelson, I think he's absolutely going to be – I think he's got the opportunity to continue to grow and be a really special ball player. Um, and then when I look at these guys – when I look at them on the the hitting side of things, obviously there's Eric Timms who's there who just keeps showing up. And, I mean, the guy – he's a worker, man. And his batting average isn't probably where he wants it to be, but he's going to keep working. And you look at them, and Travis Shaw is their leader um, in terms of his ability, one – his ability, his batting average, but also his ability to put runs across the plate. I think they build off of that, and it's just—I don't. I'll be honest. I don't know how they. I don't know how they keep doing it. They've scored a bunch of runs, uh, not as many as maybe as the Astros or the Dodgers or even the Yankees. But I mean, they've scored. They're a team that has more runs for than um, you know division leaders in the AL. And the AL is supposed to be the league where you're where you're putting up big numbers. So they find ways to manufacture runs. They don't have like we mentioned with the. Um, uh, what, who are we talking about? When we mentioned with the Rockets, we have three guys with 60 RBIs or more. Uh, they got one guy over 60, and he's at 61. And then everybody else is – they've got like five guys, six guys in that 30 to 45 range where they just find ways to put runs across the plate. So I think what they're doing is remarkably efficient 
and finding ways to manufacture runs. And to me, I think that's a skill that translates into the playoffs where you may have someone go cold. George Springer, Aaron Judge may go cold in the playoffs. Uh, you may not get that production out of them at the at, at the playoff level. They may, when things get hard, maybe they start striking out a little bit more as we know that they do. Uh, but for the Brewers, they're not counting on just one guy to hit the ball out of the park. They're counting on a bunch of guys to slap it around and put runs across. Right, and their defense has gotten uh, much better in the last couple of years. It's not as good as some of the top teams, but compared to where they were, yeah. uh, they've definitely improved a lot. Um, Tyler, I want you to talk about the Cubs. Um, do they have any magic left, or is it just, you know, hey, you know, we – we did something historic and, you know, give us a grace period to kind of have a bad season. (laughs) Well, um, Theo Epstein uh, publicly declared that he will not be making any type of moves because he feels like whatever is going on in that disastrous clubhouse right now, uh, he feels like that team has enough uh, pieces to literally work it out, uh, which is what he said. Um, of course, they've had the contra- the in-house controversy um, with uh, with their catcher, and who practically threw Jake Arrieta under the bus about holding runners and uh, you know giving up step seven stolen bases, and he was one of thirty one. So all of that came to a head about a couple of weeks ago. So it's it's some internal issues, and right now they're just they're just not good. I mean, their teams are not hitting the baseball until very recently. Yeah. And you're just not getting any type of, uh, you're not really getting any type of support from the bullpen either. So uh, I guess it's one of those things where you figure they're the team that's most likely to run a, run a few wins together. But, but I think they are in a situation where you talk about the whole cliches of one game at a time. I think that's the only way that that the Cubs will, make a run, uh, focus on getting two out of every three series. Uh, I mean, two out of every three games in the series. I mean, other than that, uh, they can pretty much, uh, unless they backdoor their way into the division title, I mean, they're just going to be stuck there for a while. Well, I mean, and see, the thing is, like, we're at that point of the season where you can't keep saying everyone's favorite words, small sample size, right? Like, we can't keep saying that. I mean, you know, I think most teams now, it's definitely by the time this airs, we'll have played, you know, 81, 82, 84 games or so, right? So, I mean, that's that's half of the season. It's only, you know, 162 seems like a lot until it ain't. And right now, the Cubs are showing me nothing that is gonna that they're going to do better. I mean, you're having five or six guys who had career years last year who are way below that this year, and I don't know how that gets better. I mean, Chris Bryant isn't an all-star, and he was – all world last year. Well, that was that was going to be my question to you, Nubias, because you you're closer to it. How long can you keep riding with Kyle Schwarber? Um, as long as you keep paying him. I mean, I, I mean, like, but realistically, I mean, this no, is no I know guy, what you're saying. I, like, I you know what I mean? Like, this is a guy that just he. I mean, he's got the he's got 12 home runs, but I mean, he's 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 not he's not what they what they want in terms of. Consistent production, the ability to just just to get on base, just to put I mean, the ball in play. It's that's a tough question because well, and I haven't seen the Cubs in person. I've only talked to you know some some people around the club, so it'll be I'll see them in person this week coming as this as this airs. Mm-hmm. So I'll have a better idea. But right now, it looks like you know they're they're gonna they're gonna ride with them. But I mean, I, I kind of hearken it to 
the Braves with Bartolo Colon, right? I mean, you know, they gave that one last start in San Diego, got shelled again, and they just yeah. were like, okay, it's over. Yeah, but, you know, the, the, the Braves are only on the hook for him for that one year, and Colon was supposed to be a bridge-the-gap guy, right? Sure. He was the, and just thankfully for the Braves that Sean <laughs> Newcomb, other than when he plays against the Houston Astros, which, I mean, <laughs> who is it? Who doesn't struggle against the Houston Astros the way those guys are hitting? Has been damn good and has stepped up. So that's he was supposed to bridge the gap. The Braves expected to be for a season. Unfortunately for Schwarber, well, unfortunately for the Cubs with Schwarber, they're on the hook for a lot more and a lot yeah. more time with them. So they're gonna have to figure it out, man. Because they're and they're there, and I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how it changes because you would think the Cubs are a better team. Ahead, here's the deal with what the Cubs did, though, and here's what nobody's talking about. Dexter Fowler going to the Cardinals took away their flexibility to hide Swerber. So, like, let's say, you know, and they couldn't decide to pay both of them. Mm-hmm. But if you, but the reason that Swerber was so effective was when he went through these slumps, they could just slide Dexter Fowler back into the outfield. And, you know, once Swerber get a couple of days off and he could come in and pitch hit and, you know, he could be more of a selective type player. Now, without having Dexter Fowler, he's got to be in there every day because he's got to play that outfield position. And now he's getting exposed. Yeah. And two, not having Chapman has really. Yeah. disrupted their whole flow of their bullpen because they really didn't their setup man really wasn't like hey this guy could really be our closer that's the reason why they went and got Chapman because they didn't have that guy so now you remove Chapman and now a guy who's really you know an eighth inning pitcher seventh inning pitcher now having to be your ninth inning pitcher it's a little shaky and I think those two subtractions have affected them a lot more than they want to let on or people are trying to bring a little bit more light to uh, just because you know like you said, I mean, Schreber is just, he's on my fantasy team. I thought, you know, he would be a, I thought, I thought that he would be a source of, you know, a power source. I would live with the strikeouts and the low, you know, batting average for the 40 plus homers, but he's not going to get there. So he's definitely been a big disappointment, big disappointment. So before we talk about some guys who've had some career years and who haven't been dis- big disappointments, I just want to remind you that you are listening to know the score. We can be found on CSPN.us. You can also follow us on Twitter at KTS the All-Star rosters were released last weekend, and the starters, based on the fan vote and somewhat on their play, we have at first base, Justin Smock of the Blue Jays, second base, Jose Altuve of the Astros, the shortstop, Carlos Correa of the Astros, third base, Jose Ramirez of the Indians, catcher, Saldivar Perez of the Royals, the outfield, we have Aaron Judge of the Yankees, we have Mike Trout of the Angels, of course, George Springer of the Astros, Corey Dickerson of the Rays is going to be the DH, and the top two pitchers for the American League this year are Chris Sale and Dallas Keuchel. So the Astros are definitely represented, well represented in the starting lineup here. Um, I still get jazzed up over the um, all-star game because I like to see the best pitchers go against the best hitters. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Mike, since you, your team has the most players in the uh, all-star game, kind of what matchup are you looking forward to, um, you know, pitching and hitting-wise? Uh, Chris Davinsky also got into the got into the, the game as one of the reserves. So that's another Astro <laughs> in the mix right there. Um for me, I just I just want to see the the two middle infielders Correa and uh, Altuve, and when I look at that pitching, I just you know I'm looking I'm obviously looking to see them against Clayton Kershaw. Um, we we'll definitely want to see that matchup because that could be a forecast for what we may see in the World Series. Same thing with Zach Greinke of the Diamondbacks. That's the one thing I'm looking at looking for. Um, and on the other side, I don't I don't have a I, I think for me it's a little more personal. I'm looking to see Andrew Miller go up against some of these National League guys, uh, just as to watch a guy that that I've seen work since since seen deals since he was in college. 
uh, go out and get the job done. But for, for me, I just enjoy it. Like, I'm looking forward, obviously, to the home run derby. Uh, I will definitely be watching that. And then, of course, I'm going to sit down and I will enjoy the All-Star. Mm-hmm. I think it's just absolutely phenomenal. So watch good on good. And just hopefully there's no, no silliness and nobody gets hurt. All you can hope is that nobody gets hurt. Yeah, right, uh, let me right. throw in a little little um, blurb there. Uh, because of the Sunday, uh, full slate of Sunday games, that's mm-hmm. kind of affected the all-star pitching. So Kershaw will not pitch. Ah. Uh, Corey Kluber, Yu Darvish, and Mike Fulmer are also going to be starting on Sunday. So they will not pitch. Uh, that led to um, and the baseball announcing replacements. Yep. Uh, you get – you. Uh, that's how Davinsky actually uh, – Got in. Got, got in. Uh, also, Alex Wood is another uh, starting pitcher. And Chris Archer was also named mm-hmm. to the uh, starting lineup. Uh, Robinson, as your fielders, uh, Robinson Cano, uh, uh, Kinsler from the Twins, Justin Upton were also named as replacements for uh, for the All-Star game. You look at your, your snubs, you wonder when uh, when is Anderton Simmons going to ever get in the All-Star game. Uh, he's still waiting, <laughs> and um, well, he got moved at, to the to the to the wrong uh, the wrong league right when he was bubbling, <laughs> right when he was starting the bubble. <laughs> uh, look at um, at uh, third baseman Anthony Rendon, who has the best uh, the best WAR in the majors. Um, he he was dubbed uh, Travis Shaw, who has 17 home runs. Uh, 59 yeah. RBIs and as a 9-11 OPS. And you can also look at uh, uh, Gio Gonzalez as well. So those are your those are your top, quote-unquote, snubs as far as guys who didn't make the uh, All-Star game. Tobias, before you jump in, let me just read the National League All-Star starters. We have first base, Ryan Zimmerman of the Nationals. Second base, Daniel Murphy of the Nationals. Shortstop, Zach Cozart of the Reds. Third base, Nolan Arnado of the Rockies. Catcher, Buster Posey from the Giants. Outfielders, Bryce Harper of the Nationals. Charlie Blackman of the Rockies, Marcelo Zuna of the Marlins, and the top two pitchers were going to be Clayton Kershaw and Max Scherzer. But, of course, Clayton Kershaw pitching on Sunday. Now he gets scratched. He'll just be a participant. He'll probably keep the book, and that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that'd be cool. I mean, hey, man, look, going to the All-Star game is really cool. I'm actually looking forward to it myself, kind of getting to check it out this season. So it'll be interesting, man. I I do kind of wish Miami would have did a better job of pubbing it for their city, but that's a whole other conversation. That's a, I think that do you know? I think that that's a Miami thing, but it's a baseball thing too. Well, it's, not, just, well it's so weird because like I was just in Miami about a month ago, and okay, like whatever is the NBA All Star Game, like six months before there are posters, and mm-hmm. so when you like as soon as you land off the plane going to that city, you see banners and billboards all through the airports and everything, and. It just didn't see that, man. It, it doesn't feel like, from talking to people down there, it just doesn't feel like there's a energy or a vibe yeah. for the All Star game. But then again, I mean, the All Star game, like their biggest sponsor is uh, what Five Hour Energy. <laughs> like, come on, bro. Like that, that's that's the best you got. That's a which again, it is definitely that's some of it is a baseball thing. But I mean, Five Hour Energy is your title sponsor for your All Star. Come on, man. I mean, so that that's an issue. But that being said, I do think that actually baseball. And I'm glad they're doing away with the whole the game counts thing, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, because of the nature of baseball being a sport that it is, I do think that the baseball all-star game is the closest played to what a regular baseball game, what a regular competition would look like in comparison to the other sports. Because in football, obviously, I mean, you're not trying to play a real football game. Right. right? You, 
you know, in basketball, you can't really play a real basketball game. I mean, obviously in the fourth quarter of an all-star game, it gets a little tighter defensively. But, you know, baseball, it, it plays pretty close. Like, Kershaw or whoever's a starter is still pitching 98 miles an hour. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that curveball is still pretty damn wicked. Um, you know, like, there's no way to, to do that, uh, you know, for – a guy like Scherzer, that slider still bites. It don't change. Um, so I am looking forward to that. Uh, I could have seen Ender NCRT as a starting center fielder, but that's just me. And I'm not just saying because I covered a guy, but you look at him leading, the, you know, basically leading the league in hits and being a Gold Glove offensive player. I mean, what more could you – Gold Glove defensive player, excuse me, what more could you want from a center fielder? Right. Right. Well, before we uh, get off of baseball, we're just going to run through some of the, uh, you know, stats leaders in the American League batting average. Jose Altuve hitting 342 home runs. Aaron Judge has 30 RBIs. Aaron Judge has 68. And he's also like leading the American League in walks as well. Mm-hmm. He's, he's amazing. Uh, stolen bases, Cameron Maven with 25. Pitching leaders, we have Jason Vargas of the Royals with 12 wins. He's also your ERA leader at 2.62. Strikeouts, Chris Sale of the Red Sox, 178. And saves, Craig Kimball of the Red Sox at 24. Over in the National League, Daniel Murphy batting 341 for the Nationals. Home runs, old man Joey Votto still getting it done with 25 <laughs> for the Reds. As I said before, Nolan Arnato has 68 RBIs for the Rockies. And stolen bases, uh, Trey Turner of the Nationals at 35. And uh, he's actually been out for about a week, so he had a pretty good gap over uh, Billy Hamilton because Billy Hamilton strikes out too much to get on base to steal them. Um, wins, we have Clayton Kershaw with 13. ERA, Max Scherzer for the Nationals at 2.10. K's, Max Scherzer at 173. And saves, Greg Holland of the Rockies at 28. So just open it up to you guys. One last, you know, thing that you'll be looking for going into the second half of the season as far as uh, playoffs and, um, you know, World Series. I know it may be a little bit too early for predictions, but just um, one or two things that you'll be looking forward to and paying attention to for the end of the season. So, Tyler, I'll start with you. I'm looking to see if the if we are going to get a Dodgers Astros World Series. Yes. Uh, I, that's what. The people want. They're the two best teams. It's been actually a run across all the pro sports that we've gotten. Uh, two of the best are two teams pretty much next to the best um, that have met in the championship series, which is pretty much what the fans want. Um, maybe the NHL being the only exception with the Predators making their improbable run. But at the same time, uh, usually your best your best teams from top to bottom, the best forty man rosters can carry a uh, a uh, team in a best of seven. So I'm looking forward to a Dodgers Astros World Series. And could be could be some upsets along the way, could be some injuries, could be some power deals among the trade deadline, which tends to happen in baseball more than any of the other leagues. So um barring that I would love to have a Dodgers Astros series okay. just for the just for the narrative. I mean, Dodgers were Dodgers were. I mean, the uh, Astros were at National League stalwart. So, you could write a bunch of stories on that. All right, the bias. What are you looking forward to uh, second half of the season? Um, hmm, good question. I am looking forward to seeing. Well, in actuality, I am writing a story on it as we speak. Seeing how the ball continues to fly out of Central Park. So far, the so far the home run numbers have been astronomical in comparison to what they were at Turner Field. The problem is the Braves don't hit many of them. So I'm curious to see 
right now there's been 96 homers that have been hit at SunTrust Park. 59 of them have been by visiting teams. And, well, Phil's Astros just got a bunch of them last <laughs> in the last two games. So the curious question will be, you know, going forward, what does that look like for the Braves? And does that mean they have to start maybe accounting for the ballpark? It's not as bad as Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, and it's not as bad as, obviously, you know, Colorado. But the ball gets out of there pretty quickly, and as it continues to heat up, it should get out of there even quicker. It's going to be like the old launcher pad at Fulton County, not like the pitcher's ballpark that was Turner Field. And I guess the second thing I'm looking at is, and probably for my own self-interest, is seeing – what teams are going to be buyers and what teams are going to be sellers. I think the Braves are in an interesting conundrum. As we record this, they stay in, you know, three games out of 500. You know, they're, I guess they're kind of in the mix for the wild card in theory. So what does that make them? Does that mean they get they trade a Jaime Garcia, who they only have under one year, and what do you get for him? Do you trade a Brandon Phillips, or what do you do there? So it'll be interesting to see what the Braves do, and also, too, what are some of the other teams around that range, like the Pittsburgh Pirates, so on and so forth. Andrew McCutcheon, who's starting to get hot. Is it time for him to go? So a lot going on, a lot of transactions coming up, and uh, hope to keep people abreast of what's, what's happening out here in the East Streets. All right. Thanks, advice. And Felder, uh, you know, what storylines are you looking forward to in the second half of the season? Um, for me, one, Aaron Judge. I think it may be bigger than just the second half of the season, but uh, to see someone that big play baseball, I think that I'm curious to watch how that changes the game over the course of the next few years. And obviously, if he can keep doing it in the back half of the season, it's going to go a long way, uh, simply because that's a guy that looks like he should be playing football somewhere. And with the current kind of concussion crisis and uh, what's happening next with football, seeing him be able to get out and do it in the, on the baseball field, I wonder how that changes things. So maybe not necessarily a second half of the season thing, but certainly a going forward with baseball thing. And then the other one for me kind of directly – ties into the Astros. One, definitely want to see the Astros-Dodgers World Series. Uh, but two, uh, Dallas Keuchel being healthy. I'd love to see him go for 20 wins this year. And so that's kind of what I'm keeping my eye on. Can he be healthy? Can he return to form? Can he get up, go out, finish the season strong to get to that 20 wins? Uh, I think that's a big thing for me on the back half because if he can do that, then the Astros certainly can get to the World Series. All right, all right. Now, my uh, thing that I'm looking forward to um, is the Washington Nationals. Uh, what are they going to do? That is kind of the big story to me. Are they going to trade? for someone? Do they have someone down in double A right now that maybe you know has the confidence and the swagger they think can handle the job? Um, you know, do they have maybe, you know, we've seen David Price come in with Tampa Bay when they kind of had closer issues and he was their number one guy down in their minor leagues and they inserted him in as their kind of closer and they made it run all the way to the World Series with that. So, I mean, there are some creative things that they can do if they can't facilitate a trade or, or get somebody to step up here and that's kind of what I'm looking forward to just to see if they can uh, get their bullpen straightened out because I think they've got everything else that it's going to take to thwart this Dodgers-Astros uh, World Series. If there's a team that can do it in the National League, it's going to be the Nationals. So before we let Felder go, of course we got to Get a little bit of college football land from him. I know last week he was out in uh, Oregon at the Nike campus. Uh, just kind of, you know, inform people about what that is first and then kind of, you know, some of your observations that you took in from your week out there. Um, was out at the so it's called the opening. It's on Nike's campus. It's the it's the Elite Eleven and the opening. The Elite Eleven, obviously, the top eleven quarterbacks, quarterback competition for the best guys in the country. They're rising seniors right now, so they'll be enrolling in college in the twenty eighteen year, signing during the twenty eighteen cycle. Um, but it's the top one hundred and sixty six uh, high school football players, uh, including the quarterbacks in that one sixty six number. Uh, and these guys kind of they go, they go through drills, they go one on ones, and they play a tournament, uh, both seven on seven and a lineman tournament where the linemen go out. And, 
put on pads and they kind of square off against one another. Uh, my biggest takeaway wasn't even with any of the players, although I will say that people will tell you Trevor Lawrence is the number one quarterback because that's what the rankings say. Justin Fields, the quarterback from Georgia, is the best quarterback in this group. He is He's as advanced as anybody. When I watch him, I see kind of a young Aaron Rodgers type vibe where he's a guy that is really good in the pocket, but once you get him out of the pocket, he gets to create on his own. He can put the ball exactly where it needs to be. So that's really, I think, whoever gets him, he's a former Penn State commit. Uh, they're getting a guy that absolutely is going to challenge you. At the minimum, he's going to challenge whoever you got day one. Uh, but my biggest takeaway was um, Odell Beckham Jr. Man, that guy is just an absolute rock star. And I know, Tobias, you and I talked about this a little bit on Twitter. He is he is a star unlike most others that I've seen um, it, from a sports standpoint. And I don't know that anyone outside of maybe the Brody, uh, Russell Westbrook, is touching that level of kind of stardom. Uh, it was It was like Justin Bieber. It was like like a boy band when teenage girls are chasing them, him showing up. They had to, they had to set aside time for OBJ to show up to, for the kids to see him because they knew if he just came out the way the other NFL guys had just come out and kind of interacted a little bit, they knew that him coming out would shut down the entire camp. So they had to give him a designated time to show up and to leave so they could get back to doing work. Yeah, I mean, that kid, OBJ, man, it, it's so interesting because, like, I, I've been lucky. I've been around a lot of – you know, these big-time athletes and seen these things. Like, I was – you know, we talked on Twitter. I was talking about how, like, Steph Curry, when they came, you see these little kids, like, crying and exciting. But, you know, as to your point, Felder, he didn't, didn't quite have the same effect, say, on the teenagers. I mean, teenagers were there, but it's not that same yeah. effect. But, like, I saw the video, and those kids <laughs> stopped, and they popped. Like, I mean – you know, using the wrestling term for my man Don DeLorente, they totally, the kids totally popped in. When you see those kids like that who, a lot of those kids, they've been getting, at, that, at this point, they're superstars. Cool. Those kids are superstars yeah. themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying, like, I mean, like, these kids have been been in the newspaper and been hyped up and they're local. Like, again, like, if you're at that camp, you're one of, like you said, the go back and forth, whatever you think about star ratings, but Generally speaking, Nike gets it right with these kind of things. Yes. So, yeah, these are some of the best high school players. These are the kids that are all state. These are the kids. I was looking at some of the, the schools. I mean, these are these ain't, you know, and no offense to a South Alabama or Georgia Southern or any of those schools, but th- these kids are going to Bama. These kids are going to UGA. These kids are going to other, you know, big boy, high-profile schools. So, And these kids have been high-profile for a while. But to see them stop and pop like that for OBJ is crazy. So, yeah, it's he has a whole different vibe to him. It's not just the football. It is the demeanor. It is the swag. It is the dancing. Hopefully he taught those kids to be calm and not, you know, get into you no know, fracases on the field. But you could tell, like, you saw the kids dancing and doing the cartwheels and and having fun. He He's special, man. And I, I guess I realized it. But, yeah, there aren't too many athletes I've seen that get that type of reaction out of, like, fellow younger athletes. Because I've been to, like, a lot of those, like, I've been to more hoops camps than I have football. Yeah. And, yeah, like, you'll see LeBron come in, and the kids are like, oh, okay, LeBron's here. But, I mean, it, you can tell there's a reverence. Sure. But with OPJ, it's like they kind of see him as a peer, but in a reverent way. It's weird to explain, but it's a different energy, and you can tell the energy picks up when that guy shows up. And I can imagine he probably has that kind of effect on his teammates and players around the league, which is something that makes him special. All right. One more thing, Philip, before you go. 
Um, just kind of, you know, everybody's going to have their top five and top tens coming out. Just kind of who do you think is off the radar that, you know, is going to make some noise and maybe be a spoiler? I always like to go for the team that nobody's, you know, looking at now that could, you know, Houston was creeping up there last year, but they had a couple of upsets. Louisville was kind of creeping in there last year. They had a couple of setbacks towards the end. Who's going to be that team that may start on the fringe that could crash the party? Um, I'll tell you what, I think that uh, Houston is going to be an interesting one because they got a new coach, new quarterback, but they still have Ed Oliver, who may be the best defensive tackle in all of football. Uh, no disrespect to Dexter Lawrence or Christian Wilkins, but I think that he, he, might ha- he might be able to get it done a little bit better than anybody else can. Uh, so they're, they're going to be right there knocking on the door. I'll tell you what, somebody that I think Louisville is going to fit into that mix because they have still – arguably the best player in college football at Lamar, is at Lamar Jackson at the quarterback spot. So they're not going to go anywhere. This is a team that plays a Clemson football team without a star quarterback right now. So that's maybe a game they win instead of Deshaun Watson making a pass to score a touchdown at the end of the game. So I think that they're certainly in the role to play. Not just spoiler, but to, if you're Louisville and you're going into spring, going into uh, fall camp, you certainly are believing not only do you, that you win the ACC Atlantic, but that you uh, got an opportunity to get to the college football playoff, uh, especially as Lamar Jackson gets better. A team that I don't know that they're a spoiler in terms of getting to the actual playoff, but certainly I think they can upset the apple cart is South Carolina. I like Jake Bentley a lot at the quarterback position. Uh, I think that Will Muschamp is going to continue to find ways to generate pressure out of a defense that's still undersized, still understaffed. But I think he's going to have he, – having a quarterback can take you a long way to where he can beat Tennessee, he can beat Florida, and then we'll see what he can do with, with Georgia. But he's got an opportunity maybe to get into that game there in Atlanta, the SEC championship game. So I would put him in that mix. Uh, I also am going to be looking, um, want to think more of a, uh, more more out of the southeast and move a little bit more cross country. I think Texas is a team that legitimately should start this season believing they win 10 games. Uh, I think that they have two quarterbacks that can play in Sam Ellinger and Shane Bouchel. Uh, you throw in the fact that Tom Herman, listen, I don't know how good of a coach he is, but I do know that when the table is set for him, he puts out a heck of a meal. So I think that's the big key for him is he's got great players. I just saw Malik Jefferson last week. He looks like he's slimmed down a little bit. Uh, he's ready to go out and just kind of be a wrecking ball for, for Texas. I think he's going to be able to get to the quarterback a little bit more, stop asking him to play in coverage, start letting him play more downhill. That's a huge plus for them. Uh, you throw in the fact that these are guys that, that, that this Texas roster has been reloaded by Charlie Strong. You can say all you want about him not being able to generate points or his defense didn't do X, Y, and Z, but he did put talent on that roster. Texas has got the best left tackle in the entire country in Connor Williams. They've got Malik Jefferson, who should be a monster for them. Uh, they've got Puna Ford on the interior of that defense. They've got guys that can play. Now you just got to cut them loose. I'm also looking forward to seeing Brecken Hager in the racer package for them get to the quarterback because that guy is a heck of a football player, even though he's undersized. So I think Texas getting the double-digit wins, big for the Big 12, big for Texas, big for Tom Herman. But more importantly, they get the 10 wins. Why not 11? And why not 11 getting him into the playoff if that, if, that, if that one loss is a close one maybe to a team like in Oklahoma? So I think absolutely Texas is one to watch because that roster is ready-made for success. It's just about pulling it out of them with guys like Colin Johnson at the wide receiver spot and John Bird at the wide receiver position. All right. So, you guys, there's a little preview of some college football. Just a little sample. So we're getting close. We're closing in August 26th. Uh, we get a few slate of games, and then the next week we get the full slate. So, Michael Felder, thank you, as always, for dropping that knowledge on us. Um, is there anything that you'd like to plug before we let you go, man? Uh, you know, Let the people know where they can follow you on Twitter and where they can get more of your analysis when the season starts. Yeah, um, follow me on Twitter, at In the Bleachers. Um, just so you know, it's a whole experience. It's not just going to be college football. You're going to get a lot of everything. But I will tell you this, and I'm not – Listen, I don't know. I don't know that on a Saturday during the football season that anybody's going to do it better than me. 
<laughs> just being being just being real. I watch multiple games. I go through things, and it's not just oh wow, look what happened. I'm going to try and tell you why it happened and what happened, and we get into that later on in the over the course of the week as well. Uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook at the Michael Felder on Facebook and on Instagram. It's it's at Instagram. I am. It's Felder, I-T-S-F-E-L-D-E-R. Uh, but I will tell you that that has nothing to do with college sports. That is 100% cooking and a little bit of gardening. So that's me. Um, but we're getting we're getting geared up for the season. I've got a vacation coming up. And then once I get back from the Outer Banks, I am dialed in for the season. So there are going to be a lot more kind of instant analysis things and what I'm looking for over the course of the year. Okay, brother, don't, hey, try, hey, to, don't, don't try to hey, swim hey. to Shelly Island, man. Stay away from there. <laughs> Hey, and, and don't forget, he also has the best tips on male rompers, too, or to romp him. So he, he's already got that game on lock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I've been hitting the Versa Climber very hard so that I can get in shape, so I can put that romper on my body. Don't worry. Every Listen, I am a true believer, and the shorter the shorts, the better. So romper's right up my alley. <laughs> well, Mike, we appreciate you. And like you said, folks, please follow him on Twitter during the college football season. Um, he's not a fan of those late night West Coast games that take four hours, but he'll still give you top notch analysis. And uh, you'll learn a lot about cornerback play and, uh, you know, what good cornerback play is and what bad cornerback play is. So, yeah, I definitely appreciate following you every week, Mike. And I thank you for making some time for us today on the score. Sounds good. Thank you guys so much. Take it easy. Thanks, Mike. All right. At this time, we're just going to let everybody know that they should keep the show free by visiting CSPN.us, visiting the tab that says uh, keeps podcast free by visiting Amazon. Do your shopping like you normally would. Kick some money back to the show. Help keep us free every week here at Another Score. CSPN.us and Amazon. Do it today. So now I'm going to turn it over to Tyler. Tyler's going to give us a breast of the flurry of action that has been going on in the NBA free agency since the last time we recorded last weekend. Now uh, we've had some more major dominoes drop. So Tyler, uh, get us a breast caught up on the NBA free agency. Well, um, we can all start uh, with last week. Last week's uh, big, the biggest move of last week would be Gordon Hayward leaving the Utah Jazz to join the Boston Celtics and reunite with his old uh, college coach, Brad Stevens, who coached him to All-American Honors at Butler University. Uh, Interestingly enough, Hayward took out a 2,000-word essay in the Players' Tribune uh, thanking the city of Utah for helping him, in his words, uh, grow up. Uh, Needless to say, at the the end of the day, uh, Hayward chose to be a part of the, the depleted Eastern Conference. Um, he liked what Boston had building as far as leading to um, to challenge Cleveland for the right to to compete in, for the NBA Finals. Uh, you look at uh, look at Danny Ainge stocking up on um, high-quality draft picks. Of course, he's playing with house money with the number one pick belonging to the Brooklyn Nets uh, or in the uh, the big three of, of course, Joe Johnson, Kevin, uh, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce. Um, so he has that pick next year. He also has two other number one picks uh well actually has uh yeah two other number one picks over the next uh three seasons and when he took when taking on the new salary of hayward um he had to deal avery bradley for um marcus morris who's the twin brother of wizards forward markeith morris um and all of this is in a move to sign isaiah thomas who will become a free agent next season other big big signees um tim harway jr who took uh, for a year a 71 million dollar con- uh, offer sheet for the new york knicks atlanta has to choose uh, on monday whether or not they will match which 
would be unlikely. Uh, Rudy Gay signed a two-year deal with the San Antonio Spurs. And just yesterday, Jeff Green agreed to a two-year agreement with the Cleveland Cavaliers that gives the Cavaliers some um, some added depth and, and some added defense. Uh, they all, The Cavs also signed uh, for reserve guard um, Jose Calderon, and they may be looking at Jamal Crawford, who was bought out of his contract by the Atlanta Hawks as the result of a three-team deal, which sent uh, Danilo Garinari uh, uh, to west to the, uh, I want to say the... Gallinari went to the uh, LA Clippers, I believe. Um, yeah, okay. Gallinari moves, and you also have uh, Denver when they lost um, Gallinari. Uh, they picked, they signed uh, Paul Millsap to a three-year deal. Um, but yeah, those are the biggest moves. Of course, you have some smaller, um, smaller signees as the as the uh, Golden State Warriors picked up uh, Nick Young, and Omar Caspi, signing them to smaller uh, mid-level exemption contracts. Um, and uh, you also get um, Tony Stell, Ben McLemore, Langston Galloway, uh, Jose. Fel- Alicio, um, Ron Baker, and Justin Holiday all signed free agent deals to uh, uh, with new teams, with the exception of Snell, who stayed in Milwaukee. Um, overall, uh, Houston, with acquiring Chris Hall, has probably made the biggest move, along with Paul George uh, signing for possibly a one-year rental with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, Patrick Patterson also left Toronto and signed with the Thunder. So immediate upgrades for OKC. I have a question for you. Uh, is there any word on the Wizards and Otto Porter? Did they match the offer sheet? Highly likely now uh with um yeah that's uh that's pretty much uh, going to be likely especially with with the moves that the other uh with Hayward moving to the Celtics that kind of kind of folk took the Wizards off uh, pretty much off focus they were initially going to let Porter go but now they're they're leaning forward to matching that offer sheet which we'll know on Monday okay. but highly likely he will be a wizard Nabias I'm going to get you in here um what's the plan with Atlanta right now are, are they going to try to get into the lottery for the next few years? Because uh, it kind of looks like they're in kind of a talent purge right now. Yeah, shit, so let's get his mind. I mean, <laughs> no, nah, but seriously, it's a, look, it's a tough situation, right? Because, all right, if you would have stayed pat, let's say they would have kept the white, they would have kept Millsap, they would have, you know, matched THJ, which doesn't sound like they're going to do, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they are what they were last year, you know, which is what? Fifth, sixth, seventh seed. And what's that mean? First round exit. Maybe. First round exit, and what's worse, you get a pick in the 20s. Right. So, you know, the Hawks right now, it, it, look, man, it's like the same thing we talked about the Braves, right? Now you look at the Braves, they kind of have Sean Newcomb. You have Dan Swanson, you have Andrew and Chiarte, right? You have three players you can kind of look at. You have Freddie Freeman, obviously, you know, still in control. So, I mean, you can kind of see some potential for growth. The question is, will the Hawks, you know, you look at, DeAndre Bembry, you look at Torian Prince. Again, 90% of people listening to this probably have no fucking clue who these guys are, but, you know, these are guys who the Hawks are going to try to believe that have a chance of being something one day, right? So, let's say if DeAndre Bembry turns into a real player. Let's say Torian Prince continues to build on what he did in the playoffs. Still know the Hawks are going to do with Thabo Cephalosha, which is going to be interesting because there's some there's a little bit of ill will because Thabo didn't see much playing time in the playoffs, right? So, I would assume that it's, you know, rebuild time, but, you know, there's still some pieces out there, and who knows, plus it's the Eastern Conference, when you look at, of the top 20 players in the league, I think 17 of them are in the West right now. Yeah, you- so, in theory, obviously, the, Cap- the Cleveland Cavaliers are still the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they are what they are, right? So, you got to assume that the Boston Celtics are going to be really good again, right? Or even better than they were last year with Hayward. So you got those two. Outside of that, I mean, the Wizards were good. 
but they weren't great. I mean, okay, fine, they'll keep Otto Porter. They'll be about what they were. But outside of that, can you really say there's that many teams in the East that are really that great or scary? No, you can't. So why can't – and that's a scary thing because the Hawks could be not that great, but these young kids gel together and they play well. Can this Collins kid play that they just drafted? Can Tyler Dorsey play? So right now the Hawks have a youth movement, but there's also some positivity. Plus they're in the East, so they still could mess around and slip and make the playoffs. Right. Let's remember Miami uh, have had Miami not run out of gas going uh, with their youth movement. I mean, they did finish the season off thirty and eleven after starting eleven and thirty. Uh, I mean, it's it's quite possible. I mean, you have uh, five five or six teams, including three playoff teams, that have gotten worse significantly. Uh, you know, you look at look at the Pacers. Um, look at your. Uh, you know the Pacers. Look at the Bulls. I mean, those are two. Those are two playoff spots last year. They yeah. can easily be taken. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I just, I, I it, the East is going to be interesting. Uh, am I interesting? I mean, really bad. But hey, who knows? Maybe some of these teams gel. We will see. Um, but yeah, the Hawks are in a very. Like I said, they don't have that star right now. But you know, I remember Dennis Schroeder is on his way up. Um, they still have Kent Bazemore who. He struggled with injuries a lot last year. I think he'll be better than he was. And the rest of them is going to be these young guys. And they're going to get some chances to play because, right, honestly, you ain't got no choice. 38 wins. My last guess he gets you to 8 seed. Hey, man, in the East, it might. My last question on NBA will be, it's obvious that Boston has taken the approach of we're going to just try to outscore Cleveland. And that's our approach to beat them as they drafted Tatum, who's, uh, I guess, going to be like their sixth man as a rookie coming off the bench. And then Haywood, uh, you know, being their, I guess, their new starting small forward. So is this enough? Have they, you know, they lose a defender in Avery, in Avery Bradley, which is, you know, going to come down and be a, probably a very big loss once the games start getting a lot tighter and that the possessions mean more. So, Nabias, uh, are they neck and neck? Or are they still going to, you know, instead of six games, we get seven next year? Wait a minute. Uh, who's this? Boston. Oh, Boston. Um, I don't know because I don't know how Hayward's going to fit in. You, you would assume he makes them a lot better, which I think he does. But how does that work with Isaiah Thomas? I don't know. But they're definitely better today than they were when the playoffs end. Uh, of course, the question is, how good is Al Horford still? I, I don't know that answer. So they are going to lose a couple guys to make this Hayward thing work. So eh, I would like to say yes, but right now I'm going to say I'm not sure. Let's see what happens as the season kind of develops. And then maybe I'd give you a better answer. But right now, I don't know. LeBron is still going to play his ass off. LeBron's still LeBron. LeBron's still the best in the world today. So it it ain't going to be no picnic playing against those guys, man. Uh, Tyler, go ahead and weigh in on your thoughts. Um, I'm a little bit more definitive. I think they are. Um, better equipped uh, because now you have the luxury of making another move. You've got, you actually have a log jam at small forward steel. Uh, now you have, as of right now, you have Tatum, Marcus Morris, uh, who's on a cat friendly deal, mind you. Uh, you know, he is, he's two years for under, under 11 million, which is great. Uh, you also have uh, Jay Crowder, who you figure is going to be uh, be moved if you have any takers. Uh, so between the three of those guys, you have death. Uh, you are going to elevate Marcus Smart, who 
to be honest, despite the flopping jokes that we all clown him on, he's actually pretty a pretty solid defender. Uh, the the question is, is he going to take and make open shots? Let's not forget you have uh, Jalen Brown and uh, Cliff Rozier uh, who can alternate between the two, and they can play some three as well. Uh, in some case, in uh, Brown's case, uh, you know Brown can actually handle the ball too. So. I'm, uh, I think that they've got pieces of somebody is going to have to uh, some somebody else other than Hayward, Horford, and Thomas uh, is going to have to give you some scoring consistently in order to uh, beat the Cavs. I mean, the Cavs had two of the best one-on-one players in basketball, but one, the two, those two guys aren't going to win a series alone. They've got to get some contributions and. The Warriors actually proved that if you can break down the Cavs in the middle, then they can be beat. Question is, can does does Boston have enough? I don't think they have the 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 center or enough rebounding, but they can defend all the other positions and make shots. So I, right. I, I think anything can happen right now with them in Cleveland. All right. Our last little bit of NBA news we'll touch on is uh, we just got finished with the Orlando Summer League this week, and now the Vegas Summer League has started up this weekend. Uh, just first impressions, um, you know, both of you guys just jump in. Doesn't have to really be in order. Just kind of, you know, any of the games that you saw and who stood out. I will talk directly. Um, I did watch um, the debut of Lonzo Ball uh, last night. Uh, I am not going to overreact. Uh, of course, Ball ended up with five points on two of 15 shooting, including one of 11 from three-point range. Uh, of course, uh, during the game, uh, ball had ball was being guarded by uh, the much smaller but more experienced and the heavier uh, Kendall Marshall, uh, who's, you know, just, just the type of guy that ball would need to uh, see as a defender, just crafty, uh, just smart in where he positions himself. Uh, so ball had a little bit of trouble getting to the rim and finishing. And also he just, he just missed a lot of open looks. Um, I'm clearly not going to overreact. As I said, I think that he's going to still get the opportunity and he's going to get some pieces around him that, that can finish and, and score the basketball. Uh, one of those pieces happens to be uh, Brandon Ingram who, uh, who shined last night uh, before getting a, uh, getting a cramp and sitting out the overtime. Um, on the under end, I was impressed by uh, North, also another North Carolina Tar Heel, Bryce Johnson, who uh, still shows that he's a a re, is still a rebounding force, and maybe he's got a little bit of improved offensive talent. Um, not still not a lot of shots outside of fifteen feet, but he's he's quick, he's explosive, and of course he can fill the lane in transition. Uh, that game was followed up by the. Um, Debut of De'Aaron Fox, who just looks like he's the fastest man on the floor, as, as uh, Don has been telling us in the in the weeks leading up to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I, I I like the pairings of him and his uh, pretty young squad. Uh, he's he's going to be exciting. So um, the Sacramento Brass looks happy with it. So that, that's that's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, also in the summer league, we had the debuts of. Um, Markel Fultz, uh, who also hit double digger, double digits in his debut, showed that he could uh, he could get to the rim. He had a lot of open jumpers. 
was very active, particularly on the defensive end. And Justin Tatum, who who's uh, leading rookies now, um, he had 17 points in his debut, uh, showed that he could hit some, he could hit the open jumpers. It looked almost like he was back at Duke out there, just putting the ball on the floor. And whenever he got open, he had a quick trigger. So, uh, so the first few games looked kind of interesting. I'm waiting to see what the tournament format is going to bring out in Vegas. Of course, you play three preliminary games round robin wise, and then you go into a tournament format, and you had the championship in uh, two weeks. All right, Nabias, uh, weigh in on uh, some of the guys if you got a chance to see any guys uh, in the summer league. Well, yeah, honestly, I've only got to see a couple games because I've been so busy with baseball stuff. But yeah, I, I did watch. I did watch. I did watch Lonzo Ball. I mean, look, man. I mean, hey, he, he had a bad shooting night. We'll see what that means going forward. The kid can pass it. He definitely does have unique court vision. I think that shot will get better. So uh, I ain't too worried about it. I really didn't care for Levar Ball being interviewed, and this is not Levar Ball's fault. I mean, you know, he didn't hold a gun in anybody's head and make people interview him. It's just, I just find it very disingenuous that as a sports media, we'll say, Hey, this guy needs to be quiet. But then we go throw a microphone in his face. Like, come on, man. Like, I right, let's be consistent. At least pretend to be consistent. Right. Anyway, other than that, I mean, it's still really very early. Um, I did see a little bit of Markel Fultz. I think that kid has a lot of what's needed to be great. It. Other than that, I hadn't seen much, unfortunately, with Summer League. Um, I'll, I'll be back on it, though, very soon. Um, I'd like just, to add that uh, Bam Adebayo impressed also in uh, Orlando. Yeah, um, I was going to say him and Luke Kennard as well. They both had pretty good uh, games, uh, two couple good games down in Orlando as well. Uh, those are going to be the two guys that I mentioned, Tyler, so right on it. <laughs> um, now we'll just go. Uh, give our you know final thoughts. Um, if there's anything that we didn't touch on that you guys want to touch on, so Nabias, go ahead and I'll start with you. Oh man, well I mean I, I guess if there is one thing I will definitely like to say, man, you know I saw what happened with Fox Sports, you know cutting back their online department, basically letting a whole bunch of people go. You know it's just another tough week in journalism, man. And all I can just tell you, man, if you're out there, man, support your local journalist, man. You know subscribe to a paper. You know, pay for some journalism, man, you know, and, you know, help us keep this thing going, man, because, you know, hey, man, these jobs are harder and harder to come by. All right. Tyler, final thoughts? Um, I was watching Wimbledon, uh, Wimbledon um, and when um, uh, Betty uh, Maddox-Sands went down uh, horribly, uh, to reveal, as it was revealed that she tore a um, patella tendon, uh, the complaint was that it took an exorbitant amount of time for uh, the medics to arrive. I know she was on a, on a court that was distant, but uh, that's just one of those situations that should not happen in the big, in one of the biggest professional sporting events in the world. Uh, you know, Sands was writhing in pain, uh, you know, instantly. And it seemed like the shock of it uh, had everybody frozen. Um, it even, you know, it was, it seemed like no one knew what to do in in an emergency situation, which is, you know, I mean, you, you can't say it for the athletes because the athletes are, are there to play, but it just seemed like it took way too long to get help. And I think that when tournament organizers, and it's not just, not just the major, uh, tournaments of the world, but all events, 
just need to make sure that your emergency teams are ready to respond at any moment and have protocol in place so that when an injury happens, uh, you can, you know, you can provide service. I mean, this is this is major. This is going to get major attention because Sands is the number one doubles uh, doubles player in the world, and now everybody is going to say something about it. But if you have protocol in place and gauge ma- and gauge management crews in place, then so a lot of these situations can be avoided. All right, uh, my final thought will be for all the athletes out there after Tuesday night. Baseball is going to take a break for about three or four days. There's not going to be any sports going on in the major four sports outside of just, you know, summer league basketball. So please heed my warning. Keep your nose clean. Don't do anything stupid because you will be the news cycle for at least four or five days. If you do have any type of run-ins or make any mistakes. So just lay low, especially the football players. I know they're getting ready to go into training camp. It's the last few weeks of vacation. You guys don't do anything that you will regret because it will be all over the news and it'll be all everybody's talking about until, you know, baseball comes back or something bigger happens. So keep your nose clean this week, guys. Radio announcers are on vacation. Radio hosts are taking vacations during this time. So, you know, you will be page one news. (laughs) I mean, you got, uh, you know, you got some top radio hosts uh, are are returning this week. Uh, some are taking their annual uh, week off with no uh, with with this pro- almost a moratorium on uh, sports, really. Uh, <laughs> so, guys, please. I mean, we've already had two major incidents this past week that are some that somehow didn't become front page news, but it's still news. So, right. absolutely support. All right. So, for our special guest, Michael Felder, for our regular co hosts, Tobias Wilbon and Tyler Ball, I'm Don DeLorente, and now you know the score. <laughs>